You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Galatians chapter 2, if you would, uh, tonight. Uh, we're continuing our uh, verse-by-verse study of Galatians entitled Only Jesus. We find ourselves in Galatians chapter 2. If you've missed any of the messages so far, I believe this is message number 12 in our series, I believe. Uh, and you always get caught up on our website or our podcast uh, if you want to do that. The idea behind the, the uh, book of Galatians is Paul wrote a letter to a group of churches in the Galatian region. And so uh, there wasn't necessarily the church at Galatia the same way there was a church at Corinth. He writes to churches, plural, and the idea is that the letter would be uh, either uh, copied and passed around or they would take the letter and read it and pass it to the next church and so on and so forth. But the idea that Paul, that, uh, Paul wanted to combat with this letter uh, was bad doctrine, false theology uh, when it comes to uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, the idea was that there were these Jews who said, it's great that you're a follower of Jesus, but you also need to follow the Jewish Levitical law, uh, circumcision for guys, keeping the feasts and things along those lines, sacrifices uh, as they come about. Uh, and it's good that you follow Jesus too. And so Paul wanted to write a letter and say, not true at all. Christ has fulfilled the law. We cannot be justified by the law. Uh, we're justified by Christ alone through faith alone. And so Paul writes a scathing letter here. Now, again, this is a harsh tone uh, that Paul writes to them. And he starts off even in the first couple of verses. He says, how quickly you have been removed from the truth and following a, another gospel, which is not another gospel. It's a false gospel. And man, from the very beginning, this is also one of... Uh, the only letters that Paul ever wrote that did not have a word of commendation to it. He didn't say, hey, great job in this. I think you need to take a step up in this area. He just came out from the very beginning and said, this has to stop. One of the reasons behind that is the gospel is a message that we cannot add to or take away from. It is the lifeblood of Christianity. When we add works, when we add religion to the gospel, when we add additional burden to the gospel, the gospel is no longer the gospel at that point. And so uh, Paul uh, takes a very harsh stance against those who would stand against the gospel in this case here. We find ourselves in uh, Galatians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number um, Verse number 14, we took a look at last week how Peter had come uh, to Antioch to uh, hang out with the Christians there, uh, and he had separated himself from the Gentile Christians and ate only with the Jewish Christians. Uh, and uh, Paul went to him and said, hey, you gotta knock this off. These are our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And his hypocrisy, his dissimulation, the word is used uh, in Scripture in verse number 13, uh, had even affected the other folks that were friends with Paul. For example, Barnabas, who was one of Paul's closest friends, we find ourselves tonight in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse number 14, uh, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews, who are Jews by nature and not, and not sinners of the Gentiles? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of of Jesus Christ. This would be a good place to circle, star, underline in your Bible the fact that we cannot be justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if 
while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is there therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Verse number 20 is a power-packed verse uh, that you should definitely circle, star, underline, commit to memory. Uh, this is, we're going to take an entire message and unpack the truth of this verse later. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Paul uses a really good doctrinal word here called justification. Uh, justification deals with our legal standing before God. We've been declared guilty of our sin. Uh, there's no need to uh, really belabor that. We talk about that every single week. If you read through the pages of Scripture, you realize really quickly God has a standard and none of us meet it. That we stand before God covered in our sin, completely and totally guilty before God. So the word justification uh, deals with our legal standing before God. Justification refers to the divine act whereby God makes humans who are sinful, guilty, and therefore worthy of condemnation, acceptable before God, who is holy and righteous. We talked about before here at Huikala, we talked about this in, uh, on the, uh, the night of Easter, where we talked about the spiritual implications and the soteriological implications of Passion Week and what the death of Christ does for us. And the idea of justification is that uh, I am guilty before God, and God somehow declares me righteous. That way that he declares me righteous is through justification. So many times people think that they can be declared righteous in the sight of God by the things that they do, by the good works that they perform. Um, I've, I've talked to folks before and said, hey, tell me about how you've accepted Christ as Savior. Tell me about how you know for sure when you die you're on your way to heaven. And they say, well, I took a missions trip when uh, I was a teenager. We went to uh, this village in Africa and we built a, a school for them. Good. What happened there? Uh, we, we played with the kids and we um, told them stories. And we painted the school and stuff like that. Great. What happened? That's kind of it. Well, do you think you're going to heaven because you went on a mission trip to Africa? Well, that's, I, I try to do good in other areas too. I mean, that was the big thing for me though. And the idea that we can be declared righteous in God's sight based on what we have done is a foolish thought. Who would call that self-righteousness? Self-righteousness is worthless to God. Uh, it's of no use whatsoever in our righteous standing before God. Justification is the opposite of condemnation. I'm thankful for John chapter three. If you want to be really encouraged in what Jesus has done for you, read through the book of John chapter three. There's therefore there now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. He that believes on the Son hath life, but he that believeth not on the Son hath condemned already, and the wrath of God abides on him. Justification is the opposite of condemnation. I cannot condemn anyone for their sin. Only God can do that. God's word condemns people based on their sin. I am condemned based upon my sin. Justification is the opposite of condemnation. Justification takes the sin that was placed on me and removes the penalty of that sin. 
Now, it's important to understand that justification, I said, removes the penalty of that sin. Justification does not remove our sin. Friends, we are still at the core of who we are, sinners saved by God's grace. I wish the day that I got saved, my sin went with it. That, that did not happen. But the penalty of my sin, my legal standing before God is now righteous based on the justification that comes from Christ. Justification carries the idea of right clothing. Justification means my sin has been placed upon Jesus and Jesus' righteousness has been placed upon me. We sometimes refer to that as the beautiful exchange that Jesus took upon himself, my sin, your sin, and the sins of the world. And he put it to death once and for all. And for all those that would put their faith and trust in Christ, God placed the righteousness of Jesus Christ on us so that the day I stand before God, I stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Justification. That's the only way that it happens. Friend, if you or I are clothed in our own righteousness, it's a mess. Isaiah says it's just like, it's, it's worse than filthy rags in the sight of God. And some of you should sometimes look up what filthy rags mean. It doesn't just mean dirty old rags you got laying around the garage. In, in Jewish terms, it was the most disgusting thing that one could possibly imagine, our own righteous standing before God. It's, it's worthless, it's useless, it's vain. But the justification that comes through God by Christ's righteousness on me there's nothing I can do to soil the righteousness of Christ. There's nothing I can do to lose the righteousness of Christ. I now am clothed for all of eternity in the righteousness of Jesus so that when God sees me after I have been justified, after I've been saved, God sees me as spotless and righteous before him in my legal standing before God. But because Jesus Christ took upon himself my sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. When Jesus Christ became sin on the cross, the Father turned away because God is holy, God is righteous. Sin must be punished. It's punished by the absence of God and the wrath of God. So when Christ hung upon the cross, embodying the sin of the world, God separated himself from his son and he poured out his wrath upon his son because he became sin for us. Why? So that we could be justified, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be clothed in righteousness, so that our sin could be paid for. We're only justified by grace. Grace is the only thing that could possibly justify us. Romans chapter three, verse number 24. Keep your finger here in Galatians. Turn if you would. We're gonna go a couple times back to the book of Romans. Romans chapter three, verse number 24. We'll see that justification comes by grace, but it also comes by faith. And Romans chapter three packs both of those into uh, this one passage here. Romans chapter three, verse number 22. Even the righteousness of God, Romans three twenty-two. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. Verse 23, we talk about a lot for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But verse 24 says, being justified freely, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation 
a satisfactory covering for our sin, a payment that's acceptable to God through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Again, those verses right there are so power-packed with doctrinal verses that will knock you on your socks. Doctrinal words. Propitiation, justification, redemption, righteousness. Oh, we don't have time to unpack it tonight, but you could preach an entire series of messages on those words right there. If you want to get fired up about your salvation and how good God is to you, read through the book of Romans with understanding. Read through it with a study Bible. Read through it with a good uh, conservative commentary. And I'm telling you, it'll knock your socks off because you realize who you were before you met Jesus and who you are now that you are in Christ. You see, we're justified by grace. We're justified by faith. These two components are... um, non-negotiables when it comes to justification. I'm justified only by the grace of God, but not everyone is justified. Everyone has the opportunity to be justified, but you must be justified by faith. Oftentimes, people are willing to believe that God died for their sins, but they aren't willing to put their faith and trust in him as the only means to save them. So it's The grace of God saves us and justifies us for sure, but it's by faith in what God has done for us. If you turn the page over probably in your Bible to Romans chapter five, verse number one, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting just as an aside, Romans chapter five, verse number one, that we're justified by faith and we have peace with God. Did you know that to have peace with God, there at some point had to be strain with God, struggle with God, war with God? That's who we were before we were in Christ, before we were justified. We were at odds with God. We were the enemies of God. But now we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be justified is by faith. Again, verse number two, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. One of the uh, things that, that uh, one of the themes that I looked at one year for our church was the theme by faith. And I began to read through the Bible and find out where those words by faith were at. And it's just like, well, there's 52 weeks of sermon material right there. I mean, just there's so much stuff that's by faith. Again, in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, it talks about uh, by faith. Friend, faith is the key that unlocks the Christian life. If you have no faith, you have no Christian life. And this is more than just believing in, on God the day that you got saved. It's continuing in that faith that saved us. Next, we're justified by the blood of Christ. Verse number nine, much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So we're justified by grace, not anything that we've done, not any way that we could earn it, not any way that we could be good enough to get it. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ as the only savior, as the only means for attaining this justification. We're justified by the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. Friend, if Jesus died of a heart attack, you and I would still be in our sins. Think about that for a minute. It's only the shed blood of Christ that saved us. 
There can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And Christ's blood makes us righteous before God. Titus chapter 3, verse number 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs together with the hope of eternal life. Turn back to Galatians chapter 2, if you would. I want to encourage you as Christians to continue to grow in your faith. I want you to be discerning Christians. I want you to radically live out your faith in such a way that it's contagious to the people around you. I want you to know truth from error. I want you to be able to take big Bible words like justification and explain what it means. Become a student of God's word. Desire to know more about God's word. You'll never be disappointed, I promise you that. The word justification, the way that we use it in our vernacular today, doesn't really uh, compute with the way that the Bible uses the word justification. We use the word justification like excuse. You know, my justification was being for late, was the poly was shut down. My justification for uh, not picking up milk because I got really busy at work. My justification is kind of an excuse. That's not the Bible definition of the word justification. Some folks will use the word uh, justified means just as if I'd never sinned. It's kind of a cute way to remember it, but it doesn't plunge the depths of the word justification. Justification is the fact that I was legally guilty before God and I'm no longer guilty because my guilt has been placed upon Christ and his righteousness has been placed upon me and I'm righteous in my legal standing before God. That's what justified means. I've heard people say before, well, justified and, and saved are kind of interchangeable words. Not really. They both mean effectually the, the idea that we are saved from wrath to come, but the power that those words hold is totally different. And you need to know what the word propitiation means. You need to, to desire to understand hard Bible passages and difficult. You need to struggle with Scripture. I worry for a Christian who just blasts through a passage of Scripture and doesn't know what they read and don't have any questions about it. You haven't dug in deep yet. There's so many things that I don't understand about the Bible that, that I, I believe I probably won't know until I get to heaven one day. But I want to continue to learn more. And this idea of justification is a... a is critical to us as Christians as far as our salvation is concerned. We need to know about it. We need to be able to explain it to others. That's one of the reasons why here at Who We Call It, we place such a huge emphasis on discipleship. We probably talk about discipleship, if not every week, probably every other week. Why? Because being a disciple of Christ, a committed follower of Jesus Christ, is a lifelong process that every Christian must go through. Discipleship is learning to be a committed follower of Christ. Discipleship is learning what the Bible teaches so that I can teach someone else. That's God's plan for the Christian life is that we would learn so that we can impact others. I would learn so I can teach others. And so become a student of God's word and desire to take the things that you're learning and pass them on to someone else. As you look at Galatians chapter two tonight, in closing, just a few thoughts about this passage. Verse number 16, knowing that man's not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. The law 
could not justify. God's guidelines that he gave in the Old Testament were never meant for you and I to keep those so that we could be saved, ever. We'll see further as we get into the book of Galatians. Even Abraham wasn't saved because he kept the law. Nobody's been able to keep the law except for Christ. The law could not justify It couldn't justify generally the children of Israel. It couldn't justify personally the individual sinner. It could never save people from their sins. The law is important as a mirror to show us our sinfulness. But it's important to understand that the law can only reveal our sin. It could never remove our sin. The law is just a mirror that holds you up and says, hey, how you doing? The mirror itself cannot remove your sin. It only reveals it. I'm waiting for the day that somebody makes a a mirror that I can just smile at and automatically brushes my teeth, right? You you say, that's stupid, right? People who would think that the law could remove their sin is, is equally as foolish. This just shows you how bad your condition is so that you can say, whoa, I'm not okay. Sometimes when I think I'm doing okay, I'll read through passages of scripture like Galatians chapter 5 verse number 22 which talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You start reading through that and you start putting each one of those words into your name. Anthony is known as a man of love. Anthony is known as a man of joy. Anthony is known as a man of peace. It's just like peace is stretching it a little bit. Anthony is long-suffering. Okay, let's not go that far. Um... And I begin to see the shortcomings in my own self when I hold myself up to the light of Scripture. When I begin to, to read the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus talking about the people that will be blessed and I put myself in light of Scripture, I realize I got a little ways to go here. That's the whole idea of God's Word. You were never meant to perfectly keep God's Word for salvation. It was only meant to show you your own shortcomings. The idea is that the law would cause me to cry out, I need a Savior. The Bible says a Savior has come for us. As Paul writes to the Galatians, he tells them this, either the law justifies or Jesus does. You can only choose one, but make sure you choose wisely. Guys, you're going to have to pick a side. You can't say that the law and Christ justify you. Either the law justifies you or Christ justifies you, but not both. Any religion that would call itself a Christian religion that says faith in Jesus is important, but the church seals the covenant, or the church is what provides the means of salvation, just know you have chosen to justify by works, not Christ. Because if we justified by Christ, I need nothing else. If I'm not justified by Christ, I need everything else. But you can't mix the two. And so Paul says here, it's not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus the Old Testament law. It's not Jesus plus Jewish custom. It's just Jesus, only Jesus. That's it. And if you've got a differing opinion to that, you need to choose your side, but it's not Jesus' side. You can't mix the two. I've pleaded with folks who say, you know, I, Tell me about when you got saved. And they said, well, I put my faith and trust in Christ. And when I was baptized, my sins were washed away. Hmm. Careful on that. 
what you probably meant to say is the day that you trusted Christ as Savior, your sins were washed away and your baptism kind of showed your commitment to Christ. Is that what you meant? No, I mean the day that I went in the water, I was a sinner, I went under the water, I came up clean. Ooh. So you're trusting in your baptism to wash your sins away. Well, Jesus used my baptism to wash my sins away. Mm. Kind of like Jesus uses circumcision to make you a follower of his. Kind of like Jesus uses the law to make you a follower of his. And Paul says, nope, pick a side. But you better choose wisely. That's the thing about this is that so many times, I never try to talk someone out of their salvation. But I always want to ask them enough questions if they're not really saved that they begin to question it themselves. I've been around people who just want people to doubt their salvation. God doesn't want you to doubt your salvation. God doesn't uh, cause us to doubt. The devil wants you to doubt if you're truly saved, if you're really a born-again child of God. But hey, friend, if you're not saved, the Holy Spirit wants you to doubt the fact that you can live without Christ. So oftentimes I'll ask people, hey, if you died today, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? They say, man, 100%, 100%. You always need to ask a follow-up question. How? How do you know? I'm telling you, friend, you'll be surprised by what you hear sometimes. Sometimes you'll hear, well, I got baptized when I was a teenager, or I, I saw a miracle, or uh, I went, went to uh, the fireworks show on the 4th of July. I'll never forget it. I was a teenager, and I looked up, and one of the, 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 uh, the fireworks went off, and the face of Jesus, I saw it in the sky. Okay? And that's how I knew I was going to heaven. 4th of July fireworks. Yeah. Okay, friend, let's talk about that. Let's take a look at what the Bible says. I'm justified by faith alone, by grace alone, by the blood of Christ alone, not by fireworks alone. Angela had a friend in high school that was, whose mother was highly Catholic, highly Catholic. And they drove out to this barn in the middle of nowhere where the face of Mary had shown up on the side of this barn and people were praying around it and praising and taking their pictures with it and uh, things along those lines. Hey, look. Friends, salvation doesn't come by a picture on a barn. It just goes to show that the human heart is craving a connection to God by any means that it can find. And the devil's willing to give anything he can to take the focus off of the true vine, Jesus Christ. And so we have to be very, very careful. First of all, that we know for sure that we're saved. Secondly, when we talk to folks, that we try to understand what salvation means to them. I love it when I talk to someone. I say, if you died today, you're sure you're going to heaven. It's 100%. How do you know? Because when I was a nine-year-old boy, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I haven't lived a perfect life since, but I'm doing my best every single day. But I know when I get to heaven, it's because of what, the blood of Christ. Amen. I love it. So many times, though, it's just like, well, I tried to go into church for a while, or I was trying to turn my life around for a while, or I quit drinking, or I quit doing drugs for a while, or I stopped this or that for a while. I think maybe, hopefully, I'll make it. Hey, no one is justified by the works of the law or good behavior. Final thought here tonight, verse number 21 is so important that Paul wrote. Hey, if we can attain salvation by any other means than Jesus, he died for no reason. Hey, look, if this church could get you to heaven, why did Jesus have to die? If I could take you over to Alamona Beach Park and put you under the water and bring you back up and you were going to heaven, why did Jesus have to die? If you can come and take communion and go to heaven, why did Jesus have to die? If you can just be a good person and all your sin is washed away, why did Jesus have to die? Verse 21, I don't frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If we could just keep a rule, a list of commandments, 
and be justified before God, Jesus Christ died in vain. I don't know if you recognize the weight of that statement, but it's probably one of the most blasphemous statements one can make about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died for no reason. Oh, those are fighting words right there. Christ died for the sins of mankind. So any idea that Christ would die for no reason because we're good enough is preposterous and blasphemous, the thought that you could make it to heaven without Christ. You won't. And you'll miss heaven by 10 million miles, not even remotely close. So as we look at this passage here tonight, if you're a child of God, I want you to, to say, praise God I'm justified. Praise God that I don't have to work for my salvation. Praise God that I don't have to earn my salvation. Praise God that I don't have to stay in church every single Sunday and take communion every time it's offered and go and tell my sins to a priest and make sure that I'm on my best behavior so that hopefully I'll make it to heaven one day. I had the opportunity on Friday night to talk with some new folks to our church and kind of hear their testimony of how they got saved. I was talking to, to one lady and she said, I said, tell me how you got saved. And she said, uh, well, I grew up Catholic and she went to Catholic school and she said, but I, I quit going when I was a teen, teenager. I refused to go. And I said, tell me about that. And she said, my mom died. And they told me, if we prayed enough, and if we gave enough money, and we were on our best behavior, that maybe God would let mom out of purgatory early. And she said, I just realized as a teenager, that's not really God. And she said, I left. Good for you. Good for you. But you know what? So many people are trapped in this idea of maybe if we're good enough, we can get to heaven. Maybe if I'm good enough, Uncle Joe will get to heaven. Maybe if I'm good enough, I won't spend so long in purgatory. Purgatory couldn't be found anywhere in the, the pages of Scripture if you wanted to. So for those of us that are saved, praise God that you're justified. You're not hoping that you'll make it to heaven one day. Again, when you talk with folks and you ask them, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? I've had folks say me before, nobody can know 100% sure. That's up to God. God's the final judge. And God certainly is the final judge, but he's given us his judging scorecard already. We know it's on the final exam and we can prepare. God will be the final judge, but you need to ensure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life 100%. 1 John 5, 13, these things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope so, think so, you can know it. And so sometimes I'll ask folks, hey, if I could show you from the Bible how you could be 100% certain that you're going to heaven, would you be interested in that today? I'm so thankful when people say, yes, I would, and you can open up the scriptures and share Jesus with them. Man, nothing like it in your entire life. For those of us that are justified, praise God for your justification and spend the rest of your life delivering people from the false notion that they can get their own way to heaven. The majority of people that you'll meet on a given day have this idea that there's this colossal scale in heaven where your life's work is weighed out, the good versus the bad, and you're just hoping that the good outweighs the bad, and if so, you get to go up. If the bad outweighs the good, you go down. So I'm gonna live every day to try to be good. That's the mindset behind 90% of people's thoughts of heaven. Let's us that know the truth spend the rest of our lives helping people to understand that they're justified by the blood of Christ alone. That is one of the most liberating concepts in the entire Bible. That I'm not saved based on who I am, but on who Christ is. Maybe you know somebody this week that needs to be delivered from 
the slavery of sin. Maybe you know somebody this week that could use just an encouraging word. I was thankful this morning that some folks came to church and said, how'd you hear about our church? They said, so-and-so a coworker brought me here today. Oh, a friend brought me here today. Hey, I found one of your flyers at a restaurant. Oh, I drove past and I saw your church. I saw the people coming into church and somebody invited me to come in and I came. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the young lady who came this morning and said she didn't know for sure that she was saved, but a, a, a friend from school had invited her. And I said, your friend knows a lot about the Bible. You know why? Because her friend had just finished discipleship. She'd be able to answer a lot of questions that you have about the Bible. She knows a lot about it. And she can tell you how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. If you have questions, ask your friend. And she said, yeah. And so I got a text from her this afternoon. She said, yeah, we talked a lot this afternoon at lunch. And I got a lot of my questions answered about the Bible. Man, praise God for that. That's what we live for. That's why we're here. We're not here to sing some songs and have fun and go home. We're here to change the world. Let's never miss out on that. But we have nothing to change the world with if we don't have the full power of the gospel. And the full power of the gospel is found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind and our justification by faith alone. Man, let's live in that power this week.